but um, a little bit of that. But um, it's always good to come home. And church, you know, home church is still your home church, and you're comfortable with the people. And, and I have not seen another church with a Steve in the back that dances. Um, <laughs> it's just good to come home. So home is still home always, and it's good to be back. But let's all stand and begin with. Uh, I'll fly away. Some glad morning when this life is over,
just even walking up the drive, it's pretty impressive. That thing is huge. I don't know how many of you ever been to there. You guys were.
So, do you want to come here? No? It's okay. All right. They're so young that I'm not sure they're going to understand what I'm going to say. <laughs> okay. We are going to answer one question today. Okay? Do you know that's okay? Do you know what God is asking from you? Do you know what God is asking from you? Do you know what God wants from you? Do you know if God, okay, everybody stand up here, right here. Hurry up, a line, let's make a line. Anika, come here. Here, stand here. Stand here. Okay, sit there then. So, do you know if God's asking, okay, everybody, I want you all to comb your hair in a specific way, making your hair. Is God asking that? He's not asking that. Is he asking, okay, I want you to wear this specific kind of clothes, so get, get yourself ready, you know? Is he asking that? He's not asking that. Is he asking, okay, I want you to be like soldiers, and you cannot laugh, smile, or do anything fun. Well, I think soldiers are fun. But, is he asking, okay, you're going to march like soldiers, follow me. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. Everybody follow me. Hanukkah, come. One, two, follow me. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. He's got asking that. He's not asking us to be like that. Like a taco. <laughs> He's got asking to eat tacos all the time. I mean, I think he is, but we don't have to eat tacos all the time. We can eat burritos too, right? Now, is he asking, okay, everybody, you need to jump like a kangaroo. Go, go, jump, 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 jump. Follow me, follow me, follow me. Is he asking us to jump like kangaroos? No, he's not. Or he asking, okay, I want everybody to be so quiet, and we're going to start walking without making any noise. You cannot make not even one little noise. Church, if I may have two minutes from your time, I just want to tell you. Um, that's it. That's it. 
You don't have to do anything but believe. And the way we live, what we get to do is just an expression of His love in us. Don't worry about anything else, but just believe that Jesus is a King. And He will work in your heart and in your mind. And, and we'll become
these seasons into your life. And he's going to bring another season into your life somewhere along the line. So embrace it. Embrace the, the season that you're in in your life right now. Knowing whatever it is, God will change it. He will be faithful in bringing you to another season in your life. Continue. Some of my thoughts this morning. Once again, thank you all for being here. for this, Stace came to me and said, could we just pray for Deanna again? Because he also struggles with it. Um, and so let's just take a moment to pray if anyone would like to come up around Deanna. Maybe some of you ladies could just come around her and lay your hands on her. Uh, and also take turns to pray if any of you feel led to pray.
you for them. Thank you for the, the grace that you have poured out into their life, Lord. I thank you for Brother Angel's testimony um, last Sunday and how he, he shared your, your delivering grace in his life, how you've delivered him from the power of alcohol and, and sin, and, and you have... You have redeemed this life to yourself, a glorious life, a called a Christian life. Father, I thank you for, uh, for them as a couple and for how they blessed us as a church. And continue, Lord, to encourage us. I pray that you would pour out your spirit into them, Lord, in their inner man. Raise them up day by day. Renew them in their inner man, even as they grow older, Lord. You did not promise us that our bodies are going to live forever. In fact, you said flesh and blood cannot inherit eternal life. We all must die. We all must be changed. But you, Lord Jesus, have poured out your spirit in our hearts. And even though we die, we will never die. That's what you said to Martha. Do you believe this? Father, I thank you. For that inner working of your Holy Spirit in their lives and how they are blessing to us. Lord, we also pray for Linda. Father, we pray that you would touch her hearing, Lord. She's struggling right now, Father, with her hearing aids. Oh, Lord Jesus, we lift her up before you. We pray that you would touch her and you would, Lord, just continue to give her grace as she walks with you through this season in her life. Thank you for her faithfulness and her love for you and her love for her children and grandchildren. Father, we pray that you would continue to bless her and make her a blessing to many all the days of her life. Father, we also pray for John and Sarah, for dad and mom, Lord, especially as mom is doctoring there and is seeking your face, Lord, for wisdom and understanding of what you, uh, what you want for her life, what you have in store for her. We pray in Jesus' name. You would touch them this morning and encourage them and bless them. Fill them with your Holy Spirit and your living word. Make them a blessing to all the doctors, nurses, and others, Lord, that they're around down there. Father, you have taken them there for a reason. And the reason is not just to find healing for the body, but for a spiritual reason. For your kingdom's sake, Lord. And so I pray that you would give them souls to share the gospel with, that they would see Jesus in them, and you would make them a living testimony of your grace and your power and your love. And yes, please touch her body and give us more years with mom, Lord, we pray in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Is anyone else desiring prayer this morning? It's a good time. Yeah, uh, I'd like uh, people pray for Israel and Ukraine, uh, what's going on, what has going on, yeah. uh, brothers and sisters in Christ, as well as the nations that are so whole. And the Palestinians as well. Jesus said, pray for your enemies. Do you pray for Hamas? Those who are in jihad? In that faith, many of them do it very sincerely with all their heart. I was just reading a testimony that Brother David Witt and another brother who was once a Muslim uh, and into jihad, and he's met, they, he got born again and now shares the gospel. And he was writing how some of his own personal testimony 
And it's part of what stirred my heart, what the Lord has laid on my heart to share with you is, is that we as Christians, God is looking for people who will worship Him and serve Him with their whole heart. Not just part of it, not just part of your life, not just once in a while, not just on a Sunday morning, your whole heart. The jihadists put us to shame as they serve their Allah with their whole heart. All the zeal, they're willing to lay down their life for a lie. They believe it with their whole heart and they follow it with their own life. But to God that his people would do the same, would love like that. Maybe the Muslims would believe in Jesus Christ if they got to know you and see you love him like they love Allah and Muhammad and the Quran. Father, we pray for the nation of Israel. Lord, we lift them up before you and Father, we pray that as they as they seemingly are going to war with Hamas and, and the people in Palestine, Lord, and they're in the Gaza Strip and in Gaza City and the millions of people that are affected. Oh, Father, our God in heaven, the God of all flesh, there is nothing too hard for you. I pray that you would even now, Lord, bring comfort to the many who are weeping, the many who are angry because their loved ones are dying in front of their eyes, are killed, and their properties are destroyed. Not only there, but around the world, Lord, in Ukraine and, and in Russia, and Father, wherever there's war raging, you know the, the anger in a human heart and a deep pain. Oh, Father, would you come and pray through your Holy Spirit even now to every heart, everyone, and reveal yourself to them and bring the gospel into their hearts and change the hatred and pain into healing.
many in deep pain because the wife was killed, the mother, the father, just the pain of war. It, it brought this deep into my heart, and especially with everything going on in Israel and, uh, and around the world, you know, there are many wars being fought that you and I don't even hear about. Um, last night, we, we watched the movie history, kind of, uh, I guess you could call it a documentary of the war between the Armenians and what was the other nation, one of those nations there that was fought in the late 90s, early 2000s, and it wasn't a graphic depiction of the war, but just the devastation and how it moved the people around and devastated whole cities of 500 plus thousand people who lived normal, what we call modern lives. faithfulness reminded me of these words. In Jeremiah chapter 31, the Lord's new covenant to Israel and to us. Not his old one, his new one. Did you know God's covenant with Israel changed? It did. Before I read that, to confirm what I'm saying to you, is it not my own thoughts or my own opinions. It's God's Word. In Hebrews chapter 8, he says in verse 7, For if that first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion sought for a second. For finding fault with them, he says, Behold, Days are coming, says the Lord, when I will effect a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not like the covenant which I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, for they did not continue in my covenant, and I did not care for them, says the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws into their mind. Not into their government, into their mind. You won't give them another Moses. They have another Messiah, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. I will put my laws into their mind and I will write them upon their hearts, and I will be their God. And they shall be my people. And they shall not teach everyone his fellow citizen, and everyone his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me, from the least to the greatest of them. For I will be merciful to their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no when he said a new covenant, he made the first, someone say it? What's the word? Obsolete. Gone. 
The first covenant God made with Israel is obsolete, brothers and sisters. It's no more. God's covenant and his promise to them of the land of Canaan is obsolete. He has now a new heaven and a new earth promised to Israel. Not this old earth. In fact, even Abraham received that promise. And that's why he was never disappointed, though he never owned one piece or parcel of land in all of the time of his life of was sojourning throughout that land. He never owned a piece of land except his grave, Sarah's grave, and his. And yet God had said, this is all yours. Was he disappointed? No. Because Hebrews 8, Hebrews chapter 11 says this. For those, verse 13, all these died in faith without receiving the promises, but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance and con having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For those who say such things, make it clear that they are seeking a country of their own. Is your life making it clear like that? Are you saying such things? I'm a stranger here. I'm an exile in the United States of America. Or are you, I'm proud to be an American. Home, sweet home. Does that do anything to your heart? Not a thing in my heart. This is what's in my heart. I'm a stranger here. I'm a foreigner in this land. Though I own an American passport by birth, that's not who I am in my spirit. My inner man is a stranger in this world, and this world hates me and is my enemy. For those who can be friends of this world, are the enemy of God. God becomes your enemy and my enemy when I make friendship with this world. Or God lie. First John says it so clearly. He who wants to be a friend of this world makes God his enemy. Now I don't know about you, but for me, I read God's word and what happened to his enemies. I don't want to be there. I want to have that relationship with the God of heaven and earth, the God of all flesh, my creator, the God who redeems my life, who loves me with all his heart. I want to be his friend. And that's what happened to Abraham. When he walked through this land called Israel today, Never owned a piece of it, though God promised him this would be the land of your people. That's not the promise he received. This is the promise. But as it is, verse 16, they desire a better country that is a heavenly. Therefore, God is not ashamed to call their God. God's confession is over your life. You're my son. I'm her God. I'm her father. She's my daughter. 
Speaking of God's faithfulness in Jeremiah 31, looking at his covenant that changed to Israel. And by the way, to reaffirm that covenant, Romans chapter 2 says these words. Just in case your faith isn't quite sure, Phil, I don't know about this. I think God still has a special place in his heart for the Jews. Romans chapter 10, 11. God is sovereign. I don't know what's in God's heart for the Jews. I'm not God. But I read his word, and this gives me a window into his heart because it's a spoken word. Listen to this. In Romans chapter 2, verse 27. And will not, and will not he who is physically uncircumcised, if he keeps the law, will he not judge you? who, though having the letter of the law and circumcision, are transgressors of the law. Listen to these words. For he is not a Jew who is one out of me. They're not real Jews anymore. That's what he said. Neither is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. It doesn't matter, man, if you've been circumcised in your body or not. That doesn't make you right with God. It doesn't bring God's favor on your life like it did in the Old Covenant. What does? Verse 29. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly. And circumcision is that which is of the heart, by the spirit, not by the letter. And his praise is not from men, but from God. And that is the Jew today. You are a Jew. I am a Jew. If that has happened to me, if my heart has been circumcised, that means my will has been cut off from my heart. That earnest desire of seeking my own gain, my own will, living for myself, the Holy Spirit cuts off, throws it away, and puts within me a new heart. Moreover, I will give you a new heart. 
But when Jesus died, God could not have given a better proof than that to all of Israel. Imagine, you were at the feast of the Passover as a Jew. Thousands of Jews were there. Jerusalem was filled with the Jews from all the lands. All of Europe, wherever they had lived, they would go there and they were there to experience the Passover, to celebrate it. And you were there on a Saturday doing your Passover, celebrating. On a Friday, I'm sorry. That Friday morning. And you heard there was a commotion. This Jesus of Nazareth, they were going to kill him. They hung these three criminals outside the city gate and crucified them. But you didn't go there. But there was weird things happening. I mean, at noon, at midday, right at noon, it got dark, very dark. The sun went out. Must have got really cold, too. For three hours, from 12 to 3 o'clock, and then there was a tremendous earthquake. You would have been wondering what's going on. Right? And then that Friday night, you went to the temple. Maybe to celebrate the Passover lamb. And the, the curtain over the most holy place was ripped and was wide open. That would have freaked out any Jew. We can't read all these details, but they were there. It happened. Do you know why we don't read about all the details and how it affected people? Because it doesn't matter anymore. The thing is obsolete. In God's heart, it's all gone. It's obsolete. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through him. But can you imagine coming into the temple and all of a sudden it, was, it must have put all kinds of fear in their hearts. It's obsolete, brothers and sisters, through Jesus Christ. But his faithfulness remains as a promise to us. All of his promises now have been fulfilled in Jesus Christ for you and I. Every one of them. There's not one that isn't. And that's why Peter, when all of those Jews from all over the world were gathered together, when the Holy Spirit came and Peter stood up to preach in Acts 2, and they realized they had just crucified Jesus, their Messiah. That's what Peter told them. You crucified the Lord of glory. They said, what must we do to be saved? And Peter said, repent and be baptized for the remission of your sins. And as they heard them speaking in tongues, and Peter was just preaching like normal language. The only language he knew. But they all heard him in their own language. They understood the gospel. That's what speaking in tongues is for, brothers and sisters. All this gibberish that comes from I don't know what spirit is not biblical. It's not this. It doesn't bring understanding to the hearer. That transcends human language. This was the Holy Spirit 
bringing the understanding of the gospel to people who needed to hear it and be saved. And they were saved, 3,000 of them, born again, filled with the Spirit, baptized that day, were added to the church. That's speaking in tongues. Now there is a heavenly language in 1 Corinthians 14 that Paul says about praying in tongues. And I believe that to be a different one. That is an experience you have alone with God. And the Holy Spirit, I believe it's a Romans 8 experience. When we have groanings in our heart that we can't even put into words. And we're, we're crying out to God. And God through the Holy Spirit brings an interpretation into our hearts. And Paul's very clear in 1 Corinthians 14. If that happens while you're sitting at church to you. Someone must translate, must edify the body, must bring an understanding, or it's a waste of the Holy Spirit's time. And the Holy Spirit says, redeem that time because the days were evil. Don't waste a moment. So most certainly when the church is gathered together, the Holy Spirit doesn't want, and nobody understands what's going on. Paul said, I'd rather speak five words that people understand and are encouraged than 10,000 and no one knows what I'm talking about. So if that happens to you, it ain't just right. Bless God. Holy Spirit says to Paul, don't forbid. Let it happen. But let God translate so it edifies the rest of the church. This has happened to me in my closet prayer time. Still does. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit. I can't control it. But it is a heavenly language that comes forth out of my heart and it edifies me. That's what Paul said. That praise in an unknown tongue is edified. But when we're gathered together, whether it's two or three in our house or here on a Sunday morning, we're here to edify. God's faithfulness and all of his covenant promises are to us. This is what Peter said in Acts chapter 2. Look at these words. This is part of his sermon. I don't know if you've read his sermon lately, but maybe you should. It might give you the experience that they got that day, if you're missing it. Peter said this, verse 29. Brethren, I may confidently say to you regarding the patriarch David that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to, to this day. And so because he was a prophet and knew, did you know David was a prophet? Yes. If you did, you'll read his prophecies in the Psalms. And there'll be words of truth and grace in your heart. I love the Psalms. David's Prophecy is like a word spoken right into my everyday experience. Whether I'm happy and joyful or whether I'm sorrowing over my, the death of my son, his words speak life right into my heart. It's like it's me talking. Have you ever prayed the Psalms? Have you sang them? They're a song of praise, they're a prayer, a deep, Heart-uttering cry. It's all there. David's prophecy. He was a prophet. Still true today. Us. Peter's saying this. 
prophet. And knew that God had sworn to him with an oath, verse 30, to seat one of his descendants upon his throne. And he looked ahead and spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, that he was neither abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh suffer decay. Psalm 22. That's David. No, it's Jesus. Jesus quoted it. And Peter, through the Holy Spirit, is saying, this was David's prophecy. And this is a prophecy, actually, for you and me, who are in Christ, who now are Jews. Circumcised of the heart. Children of Abraham. David is one of my best friends. I can't wait to meet him. I'm sure I will. Will you? What gives you that confidence? Because now you are the Jew of the earth. He looked ahead and spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, that he was neither abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh suffer decay. This Jesus God raised up again, to which we are all witnesses. Therefore, having been exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured forth this which you both see in here. For it was not David who ascended into heaven, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make thine enemies a footstool for thy feet. Jesus said that to the scribes and Pharisees. If David, if the Messiah, Christ is David's son. How then did David say this about him? They couldn't answer it. But Jesus knew this truth of who he was. And he quoted it to them. They didn't understand. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. There was another one. 
Moses prophesied that God will send another prophet like me to Israel. Speaking of Jesus Christ. This new covenant God is faithful in. In Jeremiah 31 again. This is what he says. When Anthony quoted this, this part, this word came to my heart. Verse 35. Thus says the Lord, who gives the sun for light by day, and the fixed order of the moon and the stars for light by night, who stirs up the sea so that its waves roar. The Lord of hosts is his name. If this fixed order, speaking of God's faithfulness, if this fixed order departs from before me, declares the Lord, then the offspring of Israel also shall cease. From being a nation before me forever. Thus says the Lord, if the heavens above can be measured, if the foundations of the earth searched out below, then I will also cast off the offspring of Israel for all that they have done, declares the Lord. Can this be done? Not until the end of the age, when the Lord says, heaven and earth will burn and pass away with burning heat. And the earth is no more. But the Lord is speaking about the earth. But what's he promising? Is he promising this promise to the nation of Israel? The spiritual nation of Israel. You and me. That's this covenant, the new covenant. It's in this context. Don't separate it. You'll be confused. And you'll go down rabbit trails that will cause your heart to grow cold because you won't receive this promise is the promise of God's faithfulness to me and to you. I will make sure there is a remnant of people on the earth who are loving me, who is my body, who is my bride, Jesus says, that I will come back for. It will be there when I come back. will never leave the earth. And the world has fought against this and desperately is still trying to extinguish the church in the world. But God says, never going to happen. Never going to happen until earth and heaven pass away. You and I have this promise that God's covenant is this sure, is this faithful to us. The word that I put on Facebook this morning was this word that the Lord put on my heart and this is the echo of it in 2nd Chronicles chapter 15 the Lord is speaking to the nation of Israel now, through a prophet a prophecy of Azariah the son of Oded that he spoke to Asa King Asa Israel had ups and downs. Worship idols. Along comes a king, does some reforms. Idol worship is kind of extinguished in, in, in the land, but 
Many people still have their idols in their tents, their personal idols. They never got rid of them. And that's why whenever another king would come up and invite them to worship an idol, they just, they went there. Easily. And the whole land was filled with idolatry. Again. Here, in his word to King Asa, King Asa, it says in verse 8, Now when Asa heard these words and the prophecy of which Azariah, the son of Oded, the prophet, spoke, he took courage and removed the abominable idols from all the land of Judah and Benjamin and from the cities which he had captured in the hill country of Ephraim. He then restored the altar of the Lord, which was in front of the porch of the Lord. And he gathered all Judah and Benjamin and those from Ephraim, Manasseh and Simon, who resided with them, for many defected to him from Israel when they saw that the Lord his God was with him. So they assembled at Jerusalem in the third month of the fifteenth year of Asa's reign. And it tells us all the sacrifices that they brought to the Lord and the worship they restored to the temple. Verse 15, And all Judah rejoiced concerning the oath, for they had sworn with their whole heart and had sought him earnestly. And he, God, let them find him. So the Lord gave them rest on every side. God wants you to find him. If your heart has not been circumcised, or if you have believed on Jesus Christ, but are like those in John chapter 7 and 8, where when Jesus says hard words like, you must drink my blood and eat my flesh, and you have no part with me, and you say, I don't understand that at all. And so you just let it alone. You don't go there with Jesus. But when Jesus continues to say those things to you, those hard things in your life, like many of them, they just walk away. They walk away from those hard things that Jesus speaks in my life. Those things that will radically change my life. You see, we live in a culture that wants to believe in Jesus Christ and believes He is Jesus, wants their sins forgiven every day, wants the high priestly effect of Jesus, but not the Lordship. And Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, many will call me Lord, Lord. We even do miracles in my name. But I will say to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. I never knew you. That word knew means I never had an intimate relationship with you where you and I become one. One. It means one life. It's the same oneness that Jesus said that when a man in Mark chapter 10 leaves his father and mother and he cleaves to his wife, those two become one. Now, what kind of marriage would you think it would be if Judd and Megan would have gotten married and right after their wedding, Megan would have just went home with dad and mom. And Judd would have went home to his dad and mom. And life would just continue. Would you, would you believe that you actually got married? Let's say you weren't invited to the wedding. And you'd meet them the next Sunday morning 
So I'd be sitting over here, of course, and I guess when they were recording, they were still sitting together. They, they liked each other enough that they did that. So maybe you couldn't notice it that way, but, but they each kept their own jobs. They each kept their own identity. They, they, they just, and they'd say, hey, Judd, what are you doing this afternoon? I'm hanging out with the guys, and I'm going to go home. Where's your mom? I go home, dad, mom. Verse 22. And Paul stood in the midst of the Arab, Arab, 
Areopagus, something like that, and said, Men of Athens, I observe that you are very religious in all respects. Were they Christians or not? You can be very religious in everything in your life and not know God. Not be circumcised in your heart. Not be made, being made one with Him. That's what they were. For while I was passing through and examining the objects of your worship, they were worshipers. These people worshipped. You are a worshiper. You are, and so am I. We worship either God or money. Jesus said, you cannot serve God and mammon. You will worship one and hate the other, or you will hate the one and love the other. Which one are you worshiping? For while I was passing through and examining the objects of your worship, I also found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. What therefore you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you. Many people still worship God in ignorance. Many Muslims are doing that. Many Orthodox Jews are doing that. Many so-called Christians are doing this. We worship a God they have not gotten to know. The God of Abraham, who would like to circumcise their hearts. But like the Jews, they worship him in an outward way, but their heart is far from him. Matthew 15. The God who made the world and all things in it since he is the Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands. How many people, Christians, still, when they walk into a house we call church house, they turn on the worship mode. They put the suit on. That's not why I wear this, by the way. I just wear it because I like the thinness of it on a chilly day. They walk in these doors, they sit down this pew, and they turn their heart quiet. Or they have fellowship. Hi, how are you doing? We put a smile on our face. I'm doing well. Praise God, praise God. Worship and fellowship come out of their lips. They come and they sit down and they pick up a songbook, or now we sing it up there. We raise our hands, we sing the songs. Your worship is not one of the heart. It's an outward form. 
because when the heart worships and has oneness fellowship with Jesus, it's true to Jesus' words that he spoke to the woman who was a Samaritan at the well. And what he said to her in John chapter 4, you worship, you don't know what. God is a spirit. And they who worship him will worship him in spirit and in truth. Not in Jerusalem, nor in Samaria, not in a man-made dwelling place. This is just a nice building that we, it houses us all, because you wouldn't all fit in my living room, or in your living room. So it's a nice big general place. It's not a house of worship. If it is for you, my dear friend, you need a circumcision of the heart where Jesus comes in and you worship tonight on your bed. You worship tomorrow as you drive your vehicle. You worship in the workplace. You worship in spirit and in truth all day long and all night. David was a prophet. That's how he worshipped. Just read his prophecies. A God who made the world and all things in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands. Neither is he served by human hands. Many people think they can worship God through their own efforts, called service. I will do good deeds. And so they worship God every day by doing good. Something they can do. You can give your body to be burned. And it's zero profit. No worship in it. First Corinthians 13. It will profit you nothing. Because you don't have the love of Christ in your heart. It's not out of love for him. It's worship from that's coming from me. What I'm doing. That's what they said. Jesus said many will come and say, Lord, Lord, we cast out demons in your name. How can you do that and not know Jesus? You can. Jesus said so. Neither is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all life and breath and all things. And he made from one every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation. That, you're here, or that, they should seek God. Perhaps they might grope for him and find him, though he's not far from each one of us. Where is he? In him we live and move and exist. And even some of your own poets have said, for we also are his offspring. Romans chapter 10 says, don't try to reach up into the heavens and say he's there, or down into the abyss and think he's there. He is near you, even in your heart. Let him circumcise your heart, the word which we preach, entering your spirit. 
worship you. Nonstop. That's what you call heaven on earth. I believe in heaven we're going to be doing many things. We're not going to be idle. I don't think we're just going to be before the throne all the time. Ages for ages. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And read Isaiah 66. It says we're going to build houses and plant vineyards and we're going to live off of them. There's going to be a new earth with a whole new life of existence and fellowship and worship nonstop. Whatever we do will be an act of worship. That's how you and I are called to live today. In our hearts. A heart that worships. Whether it experiences the Job experience and sits in ashes and sackcloth as they did then, or a broken heart. Or whether it's a mountaintop experience like Peter had in Matthew 17 when he seen Jesus changed and transfigured. Amen. And he quickly wanted to build some tents of worship. Whichever one, you can worship him in spirit Amen. Next door, the devil runs away from them and doesn't bother them. 
them out in Jesus' name. Make sure they're healed in Jesus' name. But this stays closed. A lot of my words, a lot of your words, reverence for the closed book, but no life change
sharing the word, at least the challenge or that whole list of challenges moving forward. That'll bring us to the close of this part of the service. We do have birthdays yet to uh, acknowledge. Put that slide up there for me. Is that before we go to lunch? Thank you for the food that was provided for us. 